Hello, and welcome to the Homeschooling and Loving It podcast. I'm your host, Jamie, your friend at homeschool.com and homeschool mom of six. Join us as we keep it real and chat about the ups and downs of this amazing adventure we call the homeschool life. So grab a cup of your warm favorite and a comfy chair and let's get started. Hi, everybody, and welcome to homeschool.com's Homeschooling and Loving It podcast. Today's episode is all about motivating your reluctant writer. Creativity and imagination are both qualities that we are struggling to keep in our fast-paced, technology-driven society. Um, However, these qualities, as we all know as parents, homeschool families, they're still very vital to our next generation and vital in teaching our children, vital for motivating them to creative writing. And so we have a special guest, guest with us today that's here to chat about this creativity and ways we can use our homeschool to encourage our reluctant writers to start actually enjoying this process. So let me introduce Joshua Davidson. He's the creator and CEO of Night Zookeeper. It's an inspirational children's story where kids discover and create their very own magical animals. And these amazing creatures join an interactive world, which is featured in his storybooks by the same name and even a TV show. Josh is a passionate public speaker on education, games, and the importance of nurturing creativity, which is why he's here today. So welcome, Joshua. Thank you so much for having me. We're thrilled to have you. And we, you know, just to speak to the topic, motivating children to write creatively, it's really been a long-term struggle, even for our homeschool community. And in fact, a recent survey, homeschool.com did, found that creative writing is second, is the second most troublesome subject to homeschool parents, second only to math. (laughs) So- I know you know a lot about this, and this is kind of your uh, expertise. So the last, I know I read about you the last decade or so, you've been pioneering innovative ways to inspire kids to write. So kind of tell us a little bit about what motivated you to help kids get writing. Absolutely. Um, and you're right. It's 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 one of those things that you hear creative writing, you think, surely this is a lovely topic kids get to explore endless worlds of their imaginations but we forget that there's this core skill that they have to learn first that's still really hard you know it's part of the education process that they need these skills um and they need to feel confident that they've acquired these skills before they can really start having fun with words but once you've got that skill that's where you know their imaginations take flight and and they really start to understand why it's so vital um for, for life, I think um, we have an organization in the UK called the National Literacy Trust, and they did some research that pointed that um, a love of writing or, uh, or, or similar was one of the number one indicators of future happiness. Um, and I think that makes as someone who's dedicated their last 10 years to trying to get kids to fall in love with writing, of course, I'm I'm 100% behind that, that finding. Um, but it, it also makes sense. You know, fundamentally, it does, because it's about communication, but it's also about enjoyment and, um, you know, your imagination having fun and taking you to 
endless places and, and really giving you um, a lot to cope with the world and life when you've got a, a flexible mind um, that the, the, the combination of lots of different words in interesting orders tends to, tends to help with. Um, by the way, I have the, um, the tendency to ramble, the tendency to talk quite long answers. So um, feel free to jump in. Um, but I will pick up on what you you specifically asked me now about sort of my background over the last 10 years and what I've been doing, um, which has been pretty much focused around uh, Night Zookeeper, as you mentioned. So Night Zookeeper, it's a, it's a name of a book series. It's the name of the website. It's the name of the TV show. And I love to say that it's two words that tell a story. It's a night zoo. Like this is um, immediately evocative. And I have to say, I came up with this before Night at the Museum or any of those pretenders came around. I had the uh, the night zoo in my imagination. Um, because at nighttime, things are possible that um, that otherwise aren't during the day, as we know with the teddy bear's picnic. And that's the the... The, the essence of what Night Zookeeper tries to capture it, it tries to be a story world that's going to galvanize and excite the imaginations of children. So um, that's where it started, really. It started with me having this idea for a, or, or this question of what magical animals could exist in a zoo at night. And I came up with my own time traveling elephant and uh, spying giraffes that could turn invisible. And I thought, aren't I? creative and clever um but then i had some conversations with some kids and their ideas kind of blew my idea out of the water and um i realized that this was you know this is something that was getting the kids really excited just by asking them the question posing it to them um result in incredibly engaged children and of course engagement is is step one in learning um it's not the be all and end all but if you don't have engagement then then you're going to really to push learning and that's where uh, learning through play and, and everything uh, sort of stems from this this can you can you excite can you enthuse can you get your kids um sat on the edge of their seats or standing up running around even better well that's kind of the key to that motivation i liked what you said just a minute ago um about building their skills and then to so in that in light of that building their skills I guess that would give them a measure of confidence. So That's do you right. feel that that confidence is kind of the underlying necessity for them to be motivated and to them for them to write? Kids don't, you know, failure um, is is one of the things in education that we've we've got wrong. I think just you know, you can. This isn't necessarily a, a UK specific problem. I'm sure this is around the world, but there's that we just haven't quite um found a way to reframe failure as learning and kids have felt that i think with writing quite hard it's i mean it's the same with maths where you're you're right and wrong and you mentioned you know there's there's challenges with that because kids don't like getting things wrong because they they see it as a failure and reshaping that in their minds is so important mm -hmm. um and and yeah so that's where skill building um can have an impact on on the confidence um, and and that confidence can lead to the enjoyment. Um, and, and so I just as a sort of a caveat to that, I think you have to be really careful about making it all about skill building. This is the sort of the, the tightrope that educators walk is, um, you know, they're going to need some skills. And when you look, I mean, I remember 
so I was dyslexic uh, as a child. I said you always are dyslexic. I was I was classified as dyslexic as a child, um, and so I really did struggle with um, sort of communicating my thoughts and getting them down on paper initially, um, and I had to really work at it. But I loved. There was a few sort of breakthrough moments for me. Um, I got put in my top English class because I wrote at school, even though I was dyslexic, because I wrote a short story that, and I used the word undulating. And I learned the word undulating, and the undulating hills. Um, I read it in a book that um, I think was uh, on a holiday, and I had no idea what it meant, but I asked my parents, and they said that it means, you know, like an undulating hill, it goes up and down. And that stuck in my head. I'd learned what a word meant, and it was quite a long word. And I wasn't used to knowing long words. And now I had a long word in my head. And so when I got given um, uh, a, an early lesson, when I went into higher school, uh, upper school, as they would call it here in the UK, um, I was I was set with a challenge of writing a story. And I didn't know what story I was going to write, but I knew I wanted to use the word undulating. That was going to be used. In the, so it was going to be set on some undulating uh, landscapes. And, and uh, you know, that, gave me the confidence to write knowing I was going to use that word. And I suspect my story was longer and better because I was enthused to use this particularly long word that I'd learned. And I'd had that satisfaction of learning. And then I was putting it into practice. And then my teachers saw that, recognized that that was you know, a good piece of writing. I suspect they also noticed that I was using quite advanced vocabulary, but <laughs> I think more or whatever, whatever they saw, they thought this kid is actually you know, he's, he's quite a capable writer. So they put me in the advanced class. And and I think that the lesson for me there, and I, the, what I try and bring into my writing of storybooks now for kids, is that they want to learn, as long as you can frame it in a, in a way that it it feels like you're giving them the superpower of knowledge, then and give it, and then you give them an outlet where they can show off that superpower of knowledge, then you really are building a lovely uh, cycle and changing that conversation around uh, skills to output and and sort of meshing them together and and, and I, it's really important. Yes, absolutely, I absolutely agree. I know one of my children, and uh, it's actually my youngest daughter, is also dyslexic, and creative writing was almost a painful process for her. Like we could we could write all day about giraffes or elephants you know, very technical writing, but when it came yeah. to creative writing, right. and pulling right. something from inside of her and her imagination and putting on, yep. it was, it was, it was, there were tears involved. It was that yes. bad. So yes. getting the student past that, that point, if they struggle yep. with anxiety or um, just fear almost yes. of opening up themselves to this. I think both of those things that you just talked about, the skill building, the confidence, yeah. and then opening up to, I, I think it yeah. all works together. Well, the, the other lovely thing that you can do in this context, and I would say if there's one defining sort of characteristic of what the Night Zookeeper Learning Program does versus others, is we really intertwine drawing and writing. Um, and that's, I mean, I, I went on, I did a, a fine art degree and then I did a master's in digital art. So I've always been a very visual person, but I would always write stories about my, my paintings all the way up to the master's level. I would have a, a painting I had done, but I would, I'd kind of be more interested in the fact that I would write this kind of Lord <laughs> of the Rings style story about this painting that I'd made. Um, and I think that this connection between visuals and writing is a lovely way of 
accessing those creative parts of our brain that sometimes kids um, are, are struggling, as you say, to sort of to, to open up. So, uh, you know, a classic exercise you could do in the situation with with your child would be to get them to do a drawing of something, um, maybe not from scratch, because sometimes the blank pages is, is still very scary. But if you gave them some specific check goals, like on Night Zookeeper, for example, we might give you a banana and a frog and say, can you create a banana frog? And you'd show them the banana and the frog, and now they're combining these two together. But then you start, as they're drawing it, you can start talking to them about the drawing that they're making. You can say, what's that? Or why have you drawn it like that? Do you think they've got any other abilities? Do you think this is an intelligent penguin? Uh, sorry, intelligent penguin, a uh, banana frog. I can't believe I suddenly threw a penguin in there. That's mad. Um, but yeah, no, but you can start to sort of draw out the character that they're creating and get them to tell you. And it's sometimes, again, another way of accessing that creative part of their brain. If you're not saying suddenly be creative and write something down, if you're saying draw something and you're guiding him into that creativity, then tell me about what decisions you're making as you're making those drawings. If they're still unsure, like that, it's just a banana and a frog, which, you know, again, we've had kids tell me as I've enthusiastically bounded around workshops. Um, I don't know. It's just a banana and a frog, they might say. But uh, you can you can find a way in by saying, yes, but you've decided to give this frog particularly big eyes, haven't you? And they yeah, I have. And you just start to seed some ideas around why that frog might have particularly big eyes. Do they love reading? Can they see so in this sense? And I know, you know, to a certain extent, it feels like cheating because you're giving your, your child, your student, an idea. But it won't be long before they start, you know, pinballing that idea around in their minds and start adding new ideas so then once you've got creative discourse happening once you've got this character that's being built or you know they're, they're telling you about this place that they've created or this object or whatever it is they're inventing then suddenly the idea of writing about it doesn't seem so hard in fact they now want the skills to be able to write about it because they want to make sure that you don't get it wrong which is another lovely uh, thing that we've noticed in our workshops is, you know, if a kid, um, once a kid has decided, even a kid who had no imagination, you know, according to themselves before they went into the class, once they've actually got this idea, they know it from, they know it better than they know the, the giraffes or the elephant sort of uh, fact files that you were mentioning earlier. They can tell you when they first came uh, into existence and they can tell you what language they speak and what they what they eat on Wednesday afternoons after their cup of tea. Like they know this creature inside out. And so they want to communicate that. And that's where the the, the joy of creative writing can can sometimes spark and you can find your your, your children um, demanding um, the ability to write, demanding your attention and your time to help guide them through the process of getting those ideas down. Kind of in line with what we just discussed and even my particular example, I know that um, when I was reading about Night Zookeeper, there were uh, some wonderful articles in your blog that talked about how this creative writing process helps with special needs students. Right. I'd love for you to talk about that, talk to that and address that for our listeners. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think this is, so my mom was, a, a, she was a, an art teacher before that she was an art therapist. Um, and I think that this, again, this touches on the power of creativity. And I think that, you know, for human beings, 
with all of our various eccentricities and uniqueness, we we all it all comes back to the same fundamental um, desire to, to 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 communicate, to understand ourselves, to reflect, and 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 self expression and and self understanding. It, it it's all. Um, it's all exposed through the creative process. It's it, it's self-reflection, as I say, um, and then there's the communication. So there's the understanding and the empathy that you have with dealing with others. So we have found that um, whether your your child is is on the autistic spectrum, whether they're uh, you know dyslexic or, or dysgra- have dysgraphia, whether or not they're they're highly anxious uh, and they struggle with anxiety, fundamentally. Give, asking them the questions, letting them have these open opportunities to reflect themselves and then bring their personality and their ideas to um, to their learning um, is, a, is a much better approach than the traditional school system of sit, listen, absorb. Um, it, and I think it's just a, it's as simple as that, really. Like, it's just about recognizing that we are all individuals we all learn uh, in different ways but if you keep the questions open if you keep the focus on what the child wants to do um and find ways to work in the learning around that uh that self-directed learning then you you are really um going to to be the supportive friend uh, as well as the teacher um, through that process. Um, so yeah, so I would encourage anyone listening who 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 has a child that struggles with writing. It it can it doesn't it doesn't have to be because they have any other issues going on. It is just a a, a, a sad fact that we're in uh, this situation where, where where creative writing is not um, not necessarily children's favorite subjects. But if you do have a look at our blog, as you say, we do have a lot of um, tips and tips and tricks but also just this kind of philosophy i guess and, and how you could sort of adopt this uh this mindset when when dealing with um this topic with your children absolutely i think um we're we're beginning to see how all these pieces kind of come together another hot topic that i hear a lot about or i get a lot of questions about from other homeschool moms is that idea of gamification and obviously if um you've got a online program, I'm sure there's probably some gamification to this learning process that's built into the night zookeeper, or at least I'm assuming. Yeah, that's correct. <laughs> yeah. Yes. No, so how, is, does yeah. Game, how does the gamification um, of this learning process and the creative writing process work together with these other things we've discussed? Yeah. So um, I think the first thing to say is that gamification uh, can be misunderstood essentially uh what we're talking about here is learning through play and using um play systems that that are attractive to um to all humans <laughs> to, to 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 continue to engage so i would say the most fundamental game within night zookeeper is the one that i've described it's character creation and that is a process that kids repeat on Night Zookeeper many times um, because there's always more ideas for characters. But concurrently with that, um, we do have other other systems. So, I mean, for example, um, our 
uh, grammar games or our punctuation games or our language, you know, our vocab acquisition games. They essentially the characters that you create, um, that you invent and that come to life in your imagination and you draw those drawings then participate in mini games on night zookeeper. So you're not just playing with some generic adult decided hero in this game. The, the hero is the character that you're in the process of imagining and bringing yeah. to life. And I think that's, again, it's an important kind of shift and, and, and understanding that the kid's going to be more interested in their ideas being brought to life than they are in, in under, you know, being told what to play with. So that, that sort of shifted. So, and it's a game, you know, these are mini games that take advantage of, um, you know, what technology can do to personalize uh, a game and, and give the right sort of vocabulary at the right time uh, it's it's games that use sound effects and music uh to to bring to life a mini narrative and scenarios for example you know word climb their animals hopping up a tree and they have to go onto the branch which has the uh, a synonym that matches the the word that's on the uh, the trunk of the tree otherwise the branch is going to fall um or word hop where they're in a in a in a volcano and they're jumping on the correct rocks that are sinking into the lava and the word on the the they have to click on the word that is correctly spelt so that's improving their spelling so these are these are little mini games that use these kind of fun evocative environments to to, to enhance the enthusiasm and the concentration of a child for that skill building stuff that we were talking about but yeah there's a there's an overarching meta game in night zookeeper which is building your own fantasy world, learning more about the, the narratives that I'm creating um, for them. Um, and you mentioned at the top, you know, the the most fun for me on Night Zookeeper is that kids can co-write the stories. They can they can help get involved in helping create TV shows or video based around Night Zookeeper. And it's they're, they're writing, they're drawing, they're, they're getting involved in a creative community and the work that they're doing isn't just you know sat in a cupboard or uh best case on the fridge like this is work that other kids uh can see and what might have a real impact on on the world around them because uh i guess you know a fundamental driver for me is i've always thought that kids ideas are are worth more than really we're, we're treating them at the moment i want to get those ideas out there i agree i really love that now that you've explained it thoroughly <laughs> I told you I can do that. <laughs> At first, I wasn't quite understanding how the, I mean, you know, the kids make their their um, uh, animal or, or yeah. creature, um, and then it stays with them, and that's what they play with. Yeah, I can really see that as a as a I was a homeschool teacher. I mean, a classroom teacher. Now I'm a homeschool mom. Um, I can see how they would take ownership right, in right. that, and that would make a huge difference. So. Yeah, that's that's wonderful. That's an that's a component that I've never seen before. Yeah, so I haven't agree. seen it anywhere, and I think it's right. I think it's about attitude uh, and this kind of un, again, it's about recognizing that the kids do have skills. Their, their ideas are great, um, right. so why not celebrate them and put them make them as part of the experience? That's wonderful. Well, I appreciate it. I appreciate you sharing all this with me. Um, before we wrap up our podcast today, do you have any final comments that you'd like to share with our homeschool community just about creative writing and motivation and learning and even Night Zookeeper? Sure. Um, look, I mean, I think everyone is 
uh, is doing a great job. They've, you know, it is a it is a really challenging area. Um, I want to thank anyone you know in the community that's already tried Night Zookeeper with their kids. Um, if you haven't, um, you know, we would love to hear your feedback on it. If you want to give it a go, I think you know whether you use the the program or the resources or the books. The the most important thing for me is that yeah we just we just sort of shift the um the conversation around creative writing and, and i i guess i think i don't like the fact that it's got this reputation now as something hard and i get it but i i wish that i i think i think if we break it down it doesn't need to be hard i think if there is more steps in the as we talked about you know how you can break it down uh into as a drawing or as a conversation or as i mean so so the animal creation that i mentioned like a kid doesn't just write on night zookeeper a big paragraph of text we we can also break it down in questions so we i mentioned like how a teacher can sit over the shoulder of a child and ask questions that's what the program does as well so it might say you know does this animal have any family members what's it's what does it like to wear on sunday afternoons you know this kind of bit by bit drawing out conversations with children um and then ultimately those those conversations can lead to can lead to full you know 10 chapter stories that are better than mine um and we've seen it happen time and time again on night zookeeper so there's hope i guess that's yeah. a message of hope absolutely and of course you know as we've we've started back to school here in the in the states um the last few weeks most of us and I've, I've kind of hit some brick walls. So this is encouraging to me. Um, I really like uh, just several of the points that you made. And, and I'm, I'm hoping to try them out myself with my own creative writers. <laughs> oh, good. Oh, good. Great. Yes. Well, please, please, please do. And I'd love to hear any, uh, you know, any success stories as a result of this. I always love reading about any, um, you know, changes in attitude. It's, uh, it's why, why we get out of bed in the morning. Absolutely. So can you share with our listeners um, about your website and where to find Night Zookeeper? And then I know there was a TV show, like a cartoon animated series. Is that available or do you have to have a subscription to a certain? Just tell us about that, if you would. Yeah, so yeah, sure. So um, so the website is nightzookeeper.com. Um, if you're in the UK, then you can watch that uh, animated show on Sky um, Kids or Now TV uh, Kids package. But if you're in the US or Canada or anywhere else, then you can access it. So, um, once, you, once you're on, on the dot com. Okay. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Joshua. It was great. Thanks so much for having me. It's been been wonderful. I, as you, I'm sorry for all of the rambling. I get a bit passionate. I think I even hit my microphone a couple of times. So apologies <laughs> for those booms. You're absolutely fine. Thank you. Mm-hmm.